0: Ahoy, baby! and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a Spongebob Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of Spongebob Squarepants. For those who may have missed last week's episode, I did um, skip a week of talking about the Spongebob episodes in order to have an episode that was both a review of the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run, and of the uh, uh, series premiere of Camp Coral on Paramount Plus, but also my thoughts on the legacy of Steven Hillenburg and the. Whole controversy surrounding the spin-offs and whatnot. So, if you have any extra time in your uh, life in the next week or so, I would definitely check out. Uh, last week's episode, uh, it was very important for me to get that episode out to get my thoughts out. I don't think the conversation is hundred percent over. I definitely think there's more to be said, but uh, I I feel completely at peace with what I was able to to put down in the episode I was able to put out. So uh, check last week's episode out for any of that stuff. Before we get into this week's episode, pre hibernation week, we're going to look at this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick 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 Nickelodeon it is time for this week in nickelodeon history i had no problem with uh not having that a part of last week's episode simply because if you look through nickelodeon's history there's not a lot of big releases or big episode dates or big finales in march uh so literally i have two weeks worth of content here but it's it's like I've had normal weeks of this size of this amount of things so for two weeks yeah, that should already tell you that March is just not not a big season for Nickelodeon. but today we're starting back all the way in the 80s because 32 years ago on March 10th, 1989, it was the finale of the game show Finders Keepers. Uh, this out of all of the Nickelodeon game shows I'm into uh, this is one that really is not in my wheelhouse, but I've seen it. On Nick Gas, for those that don't know what Nick Gas is, uh, just like there is a Teen Nick uh, channel and there's a Nicktoons channel, uh, Nickelodeon had another channel called Nick Gas, which was games and sports. Uh, So kind of a silly name, but uh, this is where they put all of their, you know, game shows and their sports shows, all just on one package. So Finders Keepers would be on there once in a while, and it's just. It's one of those things that if you don't grow up with it, it's it's a bit harder to watch. Like, I can watch Legends of the Hidden Temple. I can watch Double Dare. I can watch Nick Arcade. But uh, for some reason, Finder's Keepers, it just it never clicked with me. Uh, so, yeah, 30, 32 years. That's, uh, that's incredible. And just as incredible, 30 years ago on March 18th, uh, 1991... The Nickelodeon game show Get the Picture debuted on Nickelodeon, uh, hosted by Mike O'Malley, who we we've already talked about with uh, with Nickelodeon Guts. Uh, Get the Picture did not last long; it lasted two seasons of 115 episodes total, uh, and it ended its run by December 6th, 1991. It, it was it started and ended in the same year. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or if 115 episodes sounds like a a good amount for a game show. I don't know. I feel like game shows can just go on longer. So maybe that isn't that impressive. Uh, but but yeah, get the picture. A show, by the way, I don't remember ever airing on Nickelodeon Gas. Uh, I don't think I've ever come across a time to to watch it where it was on television. I've definitely seen things on YouTube for it. 25 years ago, on March 16th, 1996, The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo debuted on Nickelodeon. Uh Shelby Woo was a show I definitely remember watching but it, it just must have not left that much of an impact on me cuz I I know it was a show that I didn't, you know, flip the channel away from. There were certain shows that when they were on Nickelodeon, I would just change the channel. I wouldn't even watch them. Like shows like Hey Dude, I would watch maybe once or twice or if there was literally nothing else on. Um uh, but I, you know, didn't really didn't really click with me at the age I was watching them. Uh, so Shelby Woo when this premiered, I was I was like five years old. So um, but what was interesting is I, I went down this bit of a, a rabbit hole. I had four seasons, 41 episodes. The show stars Irene Hung, who plays the character Shelby Woo who was a Chinese-American teenage girl who lives with her innkeeper grandfather and works as a non-sworn intern at the local police department where she helps out with odds and ends around the office. Occasionally, an intriguing case comes to Shelby's attention, prompting her to apply her unique insight and enlist the help of her friends to solve it. Her supervisors, however, do not appreciate her help as she is only a teenager. Her grandfather also does not want her getting involved in cases, often reminding her we are not detectives with warrant badges. We are innkeepers with brooms. Many of the stories with three clear suspects keep the audience guessing until the truth is ultimately explained. So I I knew it was a mystery show um and definitely knew it was kind of right up the alley of nancy drew but uh it, it was fairly popular four seasons and 41 episodes is really not bad for a live-action nickelodeon show uh but the one thing is is looking into this i came across a factoid that said that irene uh lived in connecticut and i was like oh i i live in connecticut what, what is she doing up here uh and in fact uh, and I, I don't mind plugging this because it's it's very interesting That Irene Oung is the founder of the Mencius Mandarin Preschool in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, She started this in 2009 to provide a formal setting where her children could learn Mandarin Chinese from a young age. Um, and not to not to really plug too much of this uh, to take away, but I was just I found it fairly interesting. Um, you know, even right on their welcome page, uh, Mencius, uh, they talk about him being Confucius's most famous student and revered scholar in Chinese history. Um, the, the purpose of the school, that it, it serves children ages two to five and, and does not require them to have any prior knowledge of Mandarin Chinese Um, And this one line, our school admits students of any race, color, national and ethnic origin, as long as they're willing to learn Mandarin Chinese. Like, uh, look, if I was anywhere near Greenwich, Connecticut, this is probably a, uh, you know, who knows what the cost is. I know Greenwich is is fairly a fairly well off area of Connecticut. But uh, I I found that really interesting And just knowing that she was running it. Being a Nickelodeon fan, I probably would bring my my kid there. Uh, but but yeah, she looks like she's just been doing that uh, in Connecticut, running this school. So so kudos to Irene. Like like thank you for doing everything you're doing down there. And I hope all is well as if she's ever going to listen to this episode, uh, man, that would be pretty funny, though, if if all of a sudden somebody was like, hey, you <laughs> our our numbers are going up a little bit because of this SpongeBob podcast in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, that that would be totally realistic. Twenty-one years ago, on March eleventh, two thousand, it was the premiere of the Nickelodeon show *Caitlin's Way*. Uh, I have almost zero knowledge of this show, other than that it existed. Uh, this was Nickelodeon. Not only had their comedy live-action shows, but once in a while, they would want to put out a a Dawson's Creek esque teen drama because that's hey look there is a market for that you absolutely should have shows for that that's kind of where the genesis of teen nick came from just shows that we're able to aim at a at, you know a higher audience so this was just not not i was not the demographic for the show whatsoever uh, but it did have a very respectable three season 52 episode run so it's it probably has its fans out there people who uh, feel very nostalgic about this show Ten years ago, on March 12th, 2011, the Nickelodeon TV movie Best Player premiered on Nickelodeon, starring iCarly's Jerry Trainor and Jeanette McCurdy. One of those weird, you know, movie ideas where they're just, I don't know how this works at Nickelodeon. Do they just come across these scripts and they're like, all right, we'll make this for TV. Uh, we have these actors under contract. Let's get them. Uh, they, they've always had... They've always had that going for them. There's always like if there's a big Nickelodeon star, the the chances of them appearing in a in a Nickelodeon TV movie are just so high. Uh, but I never saw the movie, so uh, I sure it has its fans out there. Nine years ago, on March tenth, two thousand twelve, Big Time Movie premiered on Nickelodeon. It's a uh, it's a movie, TV movie based off of the show Big Time Rush. Uh, I. Also, did not watch Big Time Rush. However, I will give those, I will give whoever made that show credit because they had an entire episode with Patchy the Pirate from uh, from SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob's number one fan. So uh, just kudos to them, whatever they were doing over there. Uh, it ran for four seasons and 74 episodes. And to also have a TV movie, not a lot of live action shows get that chance. Think like Kenan and Kel, um, Drake and Josh, iCarly, Victorious. Uh, And Big Time Rush, I think those are the only ones. Although, no, Henry Danger had a, I think Henry Danger had a movie or at least a long episode. Uh, Maybe the Thundermans did too. But see, that's still like the fact that I could just name everything right there. It's a a still small eclectic group. The very next day though, on March 11th, 2012, the Winx Club movie, Secret of the Lost Kingdom, premiered on uh, Nickelodeon in the US. Uh, I think this movie originally came out in 2007 um, and also I think somewhere along the line Nickelodeon purchased Winx Club I remember the Winx Club I think it was the Fox Box that's probably ringing a, a few bells of anyone listening out there uh, but I, I remember the Winx Club being a, a completely separate property and then Nickelodeon just bought it up um, so it's kind of like an honorary Nicktoon at this point with eight seasons and 208 episodes plus four hour-long specials uh and then like three lot uh, of films this is craziness there's a lot of winx club out in the world from something that like when i first saw it i was like oh that's going to be in the toy aisle and, and then just die out after a year or two and it is still going on to this day so kudos to the winx club six years ago on march 7th 2015 the final episode of awesomeness tv aired on Nickelodeon seemed to be just kind of a sketch comedy show uh, based off of the YouTube channel of the same name and is created by Brian Robbins, the uh, now president of Nickelodeon. Five years ago, on March 12th, 2016, the TV show School of Rock premiered on Nickelodeon. School of Rock, based off of one of my favorite movies of all time, starring Jack Black. Uh, it, It basically... It just kind of retells, I think, the, the I didn't watch the show. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of these when it starts getting to the older uh, uh, teen shows and whatnot. But uh, just like the movie, it stars a, uh, a teacher looking to teach a school, you know, a classroom of kids more uh, a rock and roll than whatever they're learning to teach. Um, I don't know how much of it is is based off of the movie. I know that the character that is supposed to be Jack Black is named Mr. Finn, uh, which I, I believe in the in the movie, I think is, that, that is his still actual last name, Dewey Finn. Um, but it says he is a the new substitute teacher and an ex-rock musician who teaches the kids how to play and work together as a band. Uh, in the second season, he is promoted to a regular teacher. So in the movie School of Rock starring Jack Black, Um, he is faking being a, uh, teacher at this school and he only really knows rock and roll. So that's kind of what happens. He's just like, well, you know, I'm just going to teach you guys this really cool band stuff and it's just going to be something, uh, we do. But, you know, then eventually he gets caught that he's not really... A uh, substitute teacher and that it was his roommate, Ned Schneebly, who is the actual like guy that just decided, yeah, you can you can go to the school and do it. Um, but so I don't know if if the show follows that same regard or if they're just like, you know, do the idea of Dewey Finn is that he was a rocker and then just, be, you know, gets into schooling. But. Uh, it, it only ran for two seasons, and I think only twenty. Oh no, three seasons and forty-five episodes. That's uh, that's not a bad run for a School of Rock. There, four years ago on March eleventh, two thousand seventeen, the show Hunter Street premiered on Nickelodeon. Zero ideas of this show. I honestly didn't even know it existed. It's just one of those things that was in the list, and I said, "Okay, great, cool." Never said I was a full expert on everything. Nickelodeon, Hunter Street. Uh, I think it's still no it's seventy episodes though. That's a it's a pretty respectable amount. So I, I don't know how does something go on for that long and I've never heard of it. That's just that's just crazy. Uh, three years ago on March fifteenth, two thousand nineteen, the Nickelodeon movie Wonder Park debuted in theaters. This was also said to be one of those properties that would have a movie and then a television show on Nickelodeon following uh, Jimmy Neutron and Barnyard, and I don't think that's a thing because there simply is no citations to look this up. It just mentions that there's like one article that mentions that it's supposed to become a TV show, but uh, I feel like it's it's been a long time since that movie came out, and I feel like we would have something since. Although, uh, cartoons can take long to be made, uh, so maybe it is still coming, or maybe they're pushing it over to Paramount Plus and putting it on that platform uh, because they, they need content, which, by the way, uh, I, I love Paramount Plus so far just as far as the, the range of content on the Nickelodeon side and what they have, but, man, they really need somebody... A bit more organized to start fixing some of their their stuff in there. They they have pictures of episodes when you're looking at them that are that are from a different episode. They have sometimes you'll see titles wrong, you you'll see dates wrong. Go click on Double Dare and just look at that mess. They just have like if you wanted to watch one of the later episodes and in, in that one season you have to scroll down. It takes like five minutes to get through all of the episodes. Uh they, they they need to get somebody in there. If if I you know what? I should just take my iTunes because if you were able to see my iTunes I have like an OCD level of organization in my iTunes. I should send that as my application to work for, for Paramount Plus so I can just work all day and just organize everything correctly the way they should be. They even have cartoons on Paramount Plus that are not Nickelodeon shows that are just in the Nickelodeon section, like Inspector Gadget or the Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, cartoon and just like Danger Mouse, like, Guys, this isn't Nickelodeon. You could put this in another children's section. Why is this here? Yeah, okay, maybe these shows aired on Nickelodeon, but that's not how you're presenting this this part of the service. Like, if I'm gonna click on Nickelodeon, I just want like legitimate Nickelodeon shows. Get get all this clutter out of here. But uh, I, but I've still been enjoying parts of it. It definitely does need work. Uh, pulling up that UI, uh, making you know, dropping some new features in there, but. But I, I've been enjoying it. I, five bucks a month for even for commercials. Just this is this is not an ad for Paramount Plus at all. But yeah, this was this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into pre-hibernation week. Andy, I can't rake any faster. These are big leaves. <laughs> Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com people slash where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Sandy, you may not have noticed, but I is 100% my Two thousand years later... Are you ready for pre-hibernation week? Well, you better get your calpo because it's about to get extreme. Pre-hibernation week is the first part of the 27th episode of Spongebob Squarepants and first premiered on May 5th, 2001. It was written by Aaron Springer, C.H. Greenblatt, and Meriwether Williams. Anytime I see C.H. Greenblatt's name there, of course he is the creator of Chowder, but it instantly... Um, I just know that like some jokes in this episode are going to land, because that guy knows his humor. If anybody has actually uh, gone back and watched Chowder, it still not only holds up and is one of the most underrated Cartoon Network shows of all time. Uh, absolutely hilarious show. Uh, this, though, is one of my favorite SpongeBob episodes, and is certainly one of my favorite uh, Sandy-centric episodes, Uh, It deals with the fact that Sandy is a mammal. Sandy uh, is a squirrel living underwater. Uh, And usually during the winter times, uh, mammals head up into hibernation. Um, If there is somebody out there who doesn't know what hibernation is, I certainly would would go and look that up because i am not an authority on it whatsoever uh but but animals decide you know animals sleep throughout the winter they have these long sleeps they put on a lot of body fat uh to keep themselves warm and and they come back out during the springtime so it's very interesting that when we have um when we have underwater life here in which we we do see snow. We've seen that snow exists, and the wintertime does exist in this world. So Sandy, even though she may be living in an area where it could be warmer throughout the year, it's still an instinct for animals. Uh, there, There's somebody I'm following on Instagram who has a pet skunk, uh, Zoo Arcade. Um, and, and this, you know, they mentioned in a recent, uh, video on Instagram that even though, you know, she is an indoor domesticated skunk during these winter seasons, she's still a little bit more lethargic, you know, because during these times she would just be naturally hibernating out in the, out in the wilderness. So, uh, you know, even though Sandy probably doesn't really need to, she kind of needs to, it's, it's just, it's instinct, it's DNA to just fall asleep during those few months. So, we get a lot of funny jokes here, right in the beginning of this episode. We get, of course, we get SpongeBob's comically small rake trying to rake up the big leaves in Sandy's tree dome, uh, and and the whole comment that hibernating is a mammalian thing. And SpongeBob, SpongeBob's reply to that is, Sandy, I don't know if you've noticed, but I is one hundred percent mammal. Super, just funny. Jokes that I don't know if, you know, of course, the visually small rake would make kids laugh, but the male joke I don't think would get kids to laugh. I think that's definitely an adult joke put in this uh, put in this episode. Um, But the one thing I really like about this episode, if there is any fans out there of the video game Battle for Bikini Bottom, you can absolutely tell that the people making that game. This was one of the episodes they watched because there's so many elements of this episode that just show up in Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, not only do we get the the Sea Needle, but we also get the Industrial Park, which shows up in this episode as well. Um, actually, as I just have it on the background, the Industrial Park shows up. Um, and I guess in the audio commentary of this show, uh, Greenblatt mentions that he's not a fan of the Industrial Park because it makes Bikini Bottom look post-apocalyptic. But uh, actually, the the setting reminds me of the post-apocalyptic world that bikini bottom turned into and sponge out of water, so uh, it's kind of fitting. Um, but yeah, there's there's just a, a lot of a lot of jokes in this episode that still land. So SpongeBob is helping out Sandy um, with some chores around the tree dome. He learns about hibernation that in one week's time. Uh, she's going to be sleeping. So they have this one week to have this just all out fun experience throughout Bikini Bottom doing extreme things like just extreme snowboarding and extreme fly fishing. And Sandy is going to limits that SpongeBob is just not able to keep up. And that's where a lot of the humor comes from in this episode is just seeing SpongeBob get thrown into these really wild uh, situations with Sandy. Uh, let's look at one right now uh, that they're jumping into. Find the the hay in the needle stack. It's literally a giant stack of needles you have to crawl through to find a piece of hay. Um, it's That is such a funny joke. And just since we're talking about it, I should mention that um, the episode Bubble Troubles from uh, season eight, the title card, uses the exact scene of the needles when SpongeBob and Sandy are speaking to each other about uh, finding the hay. Um, SpongeBob eventually gets just completely fed up with uh, all of Sandy's extreme sports and finds himself hiding under Patrick's rock, um, to which Sandy just completely... I love when characters just go off of the deep end. I've mentioned this a few times on the show, um, the episode R with Mr. Krabs, just seeing him delve into madness. Uh, we've seen Mrs. Puff delve into madness, and this is Sandy's, her chance to really have this opportunity to just delve into madness. She is so obsessed with finding SpongeBob that they're looking for him for days. She seems to be the only one who cares looking for him and even when she finds him you think like there would be some sort of distress but no she's just stoked to find him um which, by the way, I love how all the Wanted posters during that time feature a uh, image of Spongebob as seen on like the initial title card, like that little doodle of Spongebob that shows up. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, one of the big jokes I love, too, about this episode is the fact that Aaron Springer actually shows up in this uh, episode live action, uh, giving us a rim shot on the drums. For those that don't know, just look it up. You'll definitely know. But it's the little, the little drum solo with the cymbal hit. That's called a rim shot. Um, I, I am a sucker for those kind of for those just those humor, Um, and that always gets me. Like even now, just seeing the rim shot, it's it's a it's a joke that will make me laugh twenty years from now, thirty years from now. Um, One of the things about this that really stands out to me is that you know we've seen. Spongebob be able to handle a lot Um, we've seen Spongebob handle bullies we've seen Spongebob uh, handle you know Plankton we've seen Spongebob handle Bubble Bass but it seems like when it comes to Sandy and this extreme sports run of hers spongebob it just completely taps out from it like this is something he can't handle and i can't think of any other things that spongebob has tapped out on like this so this is a, a real rarity for us because usually he can kind of keep up with everybody um i love the ongoing joke in this episode too that um patrick's house seemingly is the greatest hiding spot in bikini bottom i don't know why I don't know if everybody just because maybe Patrick is a smelly guy. I mean, we we don't really we don't really hear that from any other characters that they just despise Patrick, but maybe they just all know that his home smells. So it's like, well, even if you're searching for somebody for days, no one's going to check Patrick's house. Like, maybe that's just complete off limits. Maybe they think every single person under that rock thinks no one is crazy enough to hide under here. And then they all end up hiding under there. And Sandy still Still doesn't look under the uh, under the rock there, um, or the Dwayne Johnson, if you will. Uh, this is a there's a few other things. Of course, let's mention Pantera uh, being a part of this episode. They they get a nice little shout out right after the title card. Um, the 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 solo, the guitar solo that plays the song Pre Hibernation, is actually a solo featured from the song Death Rattle. Uh, by Pantera, uh, so if you go and listen to Death Rattle at two minutes and thirty-one seconds, you'll start hearing the the riff of Pre Hibernation, and and it ends about you know like uh, twenty seconds later, or so uh, ten seconds. Um, but that was that was the main part of Pre Hibernation. Absolutely love Pantera for being a part of this episode. They they just added this whole other spice to SpongeBob. Um, it, it's only. One of two times we've had another band kind of show up in Bikini Bottom. We had Ween all the way back in Your Shoes Untied, and now we have Pantera. Uh, both I, I love in my heart to be a part of SpongeBob SquarePants. This episode also features one of my favorite little lines of SpongeBob. It's It's so nuanced. For me to for me to love this, but when SpongeBob lands on the ground after the snowboarding uh, that he does with his tongue, mind you, and that's another thing that was in Battle for Bikini Bottom is that when SpongeBob would go down any of the sand mountains or any incline in any of the levels, uh, he would use his tongue. That's that's directly taken uh, from this episode. Uh, from this episode, pretty pretty crazy that so much could come from what one, ep- one episode. I wonder if the uh, team had access to all episodes of SpongeBob. I mean, with the amount of references they had in there, they must have. Um, but when SpongeBob lands on the ground and the bones are sticking up from the top of his head and he, he first lands and he just has this, yeah, like this little, this little satisfied, yeah, um... It just, it's one of those little things that just make me laugh. And I, I don't know why. It's not a funny joke that I could tell somebody happened and they would laugh as well. It's just one of those things that if you watch it and it, it brings you a chuckle, it brings you a giggle, then, then you and I probably have very similar tastes in comedy. If not, uh, you know, those little moments. Uh, you and I could just share. If you don't like that or if that does nothing for you, I, I have no idea. I don't know what it is. I have no explanation for it, but that little line always makes me smile. Um, this is such a crazy episode by the end, just especially based on the fact that none of the characters are, like I said, looking into uh, Patrick's house. But the fact that they're willing to go in this this hunt for days, and you'd think... You would think after the first day of like, okay, Spongebob's missing, everybody's searching for him, that you think everybody would then get a little worried. Like, no, nobody else is worried but Sandy. So when they say days, I mean, if you have somebody that you know, um, you know, if you have a friend who lives in town and they're missing and you can't find them, after a few days, you're, you definitely should start getting worried. Um, so it was kind of weird to, you know, I know all the characters were really getting pushed around by Sandy, but you think... After a few days they would start being like, Okay, hey, where where is SpongeBob? Like we we should kind of be worried that he's not around. Where is he? Um, I kind of wish that the scav like for the amount that Sandy was pushing and for how extreme she gets, I know that they wanted to get to the to the hibernation moment earlier, because that's essentially what happens at the end is that while SpongeBob is telling Telling Sandy that he can't hang out with her anymore or play with her, uh, she falls asleep and starts hibernation. So I get the day gap that they had to do here, but I wish the anger was coming across like maybe after a few hours because Sandy was being real extreme and making people look in the worst of places. If that was happening within a few hours, somebody could be like, look, maybe he's away for the day and maybe he you know, went to his parents, his grandma's house and. Um, but no, like just for days, they couldn't find this guy and no one else was worried but Sandy. That that always feels a little weird, um, given that, you know, SpongeBob, at least even though he seems to annoy a lot of people, at least this early on, a lot of people in town seem to seem to like him and, and you know enjoy his company when he's around. No one seems really that all annoyed by SpongeBob at this point in the show. Probably the the most annoyed, obviously, is Squidward, but even he was out there uh, looking for him for days, um, probably not putting in as much effort as anyone else. Uh, th- this is just an extremely fun episode. Uh, it's fun to see the the levels of extremes Sandy is willing to go through. I mean, she's even dropping bowling balls on her glass Air dome. Uh, I thought that's inc- that that's just super funny, super silly that she would be willing to do that. I mean, if that if that breaks, she's a goner. I would think. So the fact that she's willing to drop bowling balls underwater on her dome, maybe the fact that it's underwater, she's like, all right, it's not going to hit as hard as it would if it was a uh, you know being dropped on her uh, above above the water. Uh, j- just Patrick. He doesn't have to be a part of this episode. I like that for for seemingly days he was just out grocery shopping or if he even noticed that Spongebob was hiding there uh, because he just kind of like shows up and, and screams about it. Uh, there's just a lot of those funny little one-off moments in this show that just are laugh out loud, genuinely laugh out loud. So highly recommend this episode in season two. Like I said, probably, probably my favorite Sandy episode um, with, with her as like, as like the main front runner character, she she is the main focus of this episode completely. Once SpongeBob hides, he's pretty much away until the end. Um, but this is this is all about her. Uh, Definitely, I, I would think though the only reason I brought that up is I think the actual hibernation episode, "Survival of the Idiots," I I think I like a little bit more than this. But I don't know if we would consider that a sandy episode given that she's pretty much asleep most of the time and talking about dirty dan and pinhead larry causing trouble causing a ruckus um but yeah i i highly recommend this episode highly recommend uh extreme jacks i highly recommend extreme uh snowboarding uh sandboarding get do all of these uh because when you put on pantera you can do anything you want out there But this is this week's episode of the show. Thank you for following along. Thank you for listening. If you would like to write into our show to be a part of our Snail Mail segment, you can write to me at snailmail at euphonics.com, u-f-o-n-y-x.com. Send me your questions and your comments about SpongeBob. I love reading that stuff. I love answering you guys, and it gives me a little bit more content on the air here uh so thank you for listening on like subscribe comment wherever you're listening to this share this episode to whoever you can if you know anybody who's a spongebob fan or you think might be a closeted spongebob fan send them this show i appreciate all you guys do i love the ready crew and we'll set sail again next week magic conj, will i ever get to meet tom kenny Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv spongebobpodcast where it's not only the official home to our sister show Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com people slash where various designs will be uploaded in by our show including our official logo which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts stickers duvet covers and even a shower curtain this is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan driven any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated thank you and enjoy